This is Working the Beat. It is Friday, August 20th, 2021. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. A special edition of Working the Beat. Mike and I did our normal ranting last night. Uh, Just a couple guys talking about a bad baseball team and a football team that decided to pull their starting quarterback 10 minutes before game time and not let anybody know. Apparently, Jalen Hurts, though, according to the Eagles, had to go to the hospital for a stomach infection of some sort. Um, But we're not going to get into any of that. You know, I think everything has been so down around here lately, you know, with the Phillies really struggling with the Sixers collapse in the playoffs, the Flyers kind of going nowhere, and the Eagles uncertainty, at least, to begin with, that I thought we'd just have a little fun. And we would have somebody on who would basically make us all feel better, give us an insight into the game, give us a little bit of a perspective on life. And there's nobody that I've covered in my 20 years plus uh, uh, who is better at that than Charlie Manuel. And Charlie obviously has a new show uh, down the line with Charlie and Bo which airs on NBC Sports Philadelphia. It's going to air again this weekend, new episode, uh, with Charlie uh, Charlie and uh, Carlos Ruiz. Uh, They also did a sit-down with Merrill Reese at training camp. So uh, it starts on Saturday night. Uh, There are two two showings. Sunday there's a showing, a couple of them, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. This uh, one coming up uh, from Reading featuring... Charlie, uh, Carlos Ruiz. So uh, give a watch on NBC Sports Philadelphia and NBC Sports Philadelphia Plus. Um, you know, it, it, it's it, it's one of those things that Charlie has great baseball stories, and uh, I have to tell you that he's one of the best men that you could ever meet. And I know in our business we're not supposed to root, but it's almost impossible not to Enjoy your time with Charlie Manuel. So Charlie agreed, thanks to our friend Cindy Webster, to come on the show. Uh, Cindy is working with the show, uh, the Down the Line show with Charlie and and Larry Bella. Um, So with that, sit back and enjoy the great Charlie Manuel. He's next here on Work on the Beat, and it will return right after this message. Normally, I would go in a long introduction about a our guest and uh, pump him up. But here's a man who really doesn't need to be pumped up. He is the, quite simply, uh, the winningest manager in Philly's history and the only man to win, only one of two men to win a World Series as manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. Joining us from his home in Florida, it's the great Charlie Manuel. Charlie, how are you? I'm good, Kev. How are you doing today? Oh, uh, hanging in there. I, 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 I got to ask, and I thought I've tried to have you on for the last 
couple months, but I wanted to ask, what's it like for you this year to be back at the ballpark? Because you missed all last year, obviously, with COVID and uh, your own medical issues that were going on. What has it been like for you to hang around baseball again this year after a year away? I absolutely, I, I absolutely love it. It takes up my time, and that, you know, like in, uh, uh, that's probably exactly where I want to be. You know, hey Kev, I could go fishing. I could go hunt. Uh, not, not, not necessarily hunting. I quit that a long time ago. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can play golf, you know, and things like that. But, but it when all gets back to when, uh, when if it's a game on TV or something, uh, or or I can go to the ballpark. I'm going to the ballpark, whether it's uh, in the big leagues or minor leagues or even to watch uh, young kids play. I every day if I can, you know, like oh, I, I definitely go to the ballpark. You watch every level of the sport. I've seen you in your office. You've had the Little League World Series on at times, right? I still watch it. I watch it some now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, 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 matter of fact, I go to uh, an Auburndale over here in the summertime. You know, like uh, it's about 15 miles from where I live. You know, like they have these tournaments, you know, like where these kids come in and play. I go over there sometime and watch games. When, when you are away from it last year, how much of – it when you watch it does it give you a different perspective now that you're back in it than when you were you know in so ingrained in it that you were in the nuts and bolts of it for years and then you take a step back and you go back into the game do you have a different perspective with it now as far as the way the game's played the way everything takes place well you know uh when i when i when i think about it you know like i don't uh i don't really uh you know there's Baseball is changing, but you know what? Baseball changed ever since I've been in it. You know, like somewhere along the line, sometime it might take three or four years for a change, but 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 it changes and things happen in the game, and they and people change the game. They make decisions, you know, where they change a the game. And uh, those and I ask myself sometimes, you know, like uh, do I disagree with that, or 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 do I think it's okay, or something like that. And I, uh, you know, like a lot of the stuff that goes on on in the game nowadays. You know, like I kind of look at it that way. It's not like I disagree with, uh, uh, you know, like a whole lot of it. If, if that's if that's a way the fans want the game, and if that's a way the people that's in charge, you know, like they they try to put them in a, in a position like that. Well, you know, like I, it's it's no sense in me uh, trying to argue that, or, or uh, because I th- I don't want to make the game, you know, let out to be something I don't like because I love it, and I still love to see guys hit. I still love the see pitchers pitch and then play defense. But I like, uh, you know, like, I'll tell you something, I like a baseball game where they are trying to execute and uh, play situation baseball and fundamentally baseball. You know, and the mistakes that I see on the field, you know, like I look back and I would think to myself, uh, definitely, you know, like somewhere along the line, we got to get better fundamentally baseball and situational hitting. And also, uh, the, uh, to me, pitching is uh, is the game of pitching. I, I think was a starting rotation, and I think of, of trying when I manage of trying to get my definitely my first three starters to get me into the seventh inning, and then from there on out. If you remember when we had uh, Moyer, Kingry, uh, Blanton, and you know, like if they could get us in anywhere from more than five innings, get us in two to six, five and two thirds, or something like that. You know, like uh, that doesn't kill your bullpen, and you know, like, and, and also my bullpen would probably be stretched out. You know, like to throw more pitches than 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 the guys today. You don't. 
All right, you're you're such a, a student of hitting. Okay, you love focusing on the hitting aspect because that was your job for a long time as a hitting coach and all that. So when you hear the term launch angle, what does it do to you? Do you, do you like the emphasis on launch angle now, or do you think it, that maybe it's gone a little too far the other way? I think actually, I think I think the launch angle actually is starting to come back. You know, like to the to uh, I'm a top to bottom hitter. You know, like most guys in the game, if you just sit there and watch the game, and 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 you know what you're looking for, or 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 you know something about how hitting mostly goes. Most guys are top to bottom, and you know, like and when they say launch angle, you know, like they don't. Uh, uh, People don't talk too much about now dropping their backside and swinging up under the ball because that's uppercut. There's still some uppercut swingers in the game. I see them on different teams, and and if the ball gets above your hand and 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 you swing underneath it, that's an uppercut. As long as you keep the ball above your hand and and uh, your hands, and also probably from your belly button down, that's a lift. Okay. And you know, like when guys go down, you know, like and they use their legs and they and they hit low balls and they get them in the air. If you watch home runs uh, on YouTube and stuff like that, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And usually they go down to the baseball and 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 they have a, the arc in their swing is and they catch a ball out front and the ball gets up in the air and that's how you get the ball in the air. But but the launch angle thing when you say uh, 30 degrees or 25 or things like that. You know, like uh, I told Ted Williams one time, he he mentioned eight degrees. Right. You know, like and I told him, you know, like and I said, I'm not good enough to stand there, and you're not neither to say that I'm going to pick this ball out and hit it eight degrees underneath the center. So you know, like actually, I just say to myself, if if the ball if the if the ball is uh, say from my belly button to in between my knees and my thighs, just hit through that baseball, just hit that whole ball and go through it. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. And I, I know, I know because that ball, because that ball is already up. I'm sorry. No, hey, listen, that that ball is already up, and and if you hit it correctly, it'll stay up. And uh, so, therefore, I've noticed the, the uh, in the last couple of years that nobody talks about you know like uppercut swing or or or, or launch angle baseball because a launch angle the launch angle to me every swing you take has got an angle to it. But at the same time, the point of contact where the bat meets the ball and 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 it, and, the, and the ball exits the bat, you know that that is that is a lot. That's your launch angle swing. You mentioned Ted Williams, and obviously, I mean you you've had conversations with some of the great hitters in the game, but I, I, Williams is the guy who's always been the gold standard. I think everybody in everybody's mind about hitting. How do you think Williams in this era, with all the technology, with video, with uh, you know, launch angle, all that. How do you think he would handle everything that's go- that goes on in in this atmosphere today as a hitter? I think that he would be very vocal because he uh, because he believed in uh, batting average. You know, okay. like he, he believed in batting average, and he walked, and he had a good eye. He he, he had a two strike approach. He choked up on the bat about a, about an inch, and he had a two strike approach. And kind of lengthened his, he spread out just a little bit, and you know, like, and he became short and quick to the ball. But also, too, I remember 
uh, I want you to, uh, to be able to relate to this. I asked him one time about the shift, and you know what he told me? He goes, what shift? He goes, what damn shift? That's what he said. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? I said, they shift on you all the time. He goes, I don't even see it. He says, when I'm hitting good, he says, I hit the ball uh, uh, over uh, through the shift or, or over their heads. And that's what Ron Howard used to do that when I think about it. If you really, if you sure. the way they shipped on him and he'd hit in ground balls, but he'd roll over. But then also William said, he says, I hit streaks where I'm feeling real good and I'm hitting good hard line drives, high line drives and, and things like that. And he says, and those, those are the balls that's going for home runs. He says, I like to start the season and I like that break out of the gate with a with a high bat and average special my first hundred or hundred and fifty of bats. And he says, then if I'm hitting about three fifty, three sixty, something like that, I, you know, like I'll hit a, a streak where I'm feeling good. And then I'll, you know, I can I'll be looking for balls to really hit and drive. And he says when I start popping the ball back in the air or rolling over balls, you know, listen to this. He says, I will go up, smooth out my swing and hit line drives off of the green monster in left field. And what he was saying was, you know, like, you know, like when he, he, how he felt and what, what, what he was doing for a few days, you know, like to get him back on track, he'd go back and hit line drives off the left field wall if he could. And he, he, he said he'd pop, or the, pop that up. He said his average would fall down to about 330 or 320 or something <laughs> like that. And he says, he got to get it right back up to 350, 340. And, and then I'll start keying hole and trying to hit homers again. That's what he said. You you mentioned you mentioned Ryan Howard with the shift, and Howard was the one guy who, when you were managing, was really the victim of the shift. I mean, he, he not the victim. Right. That's not, but everybody shifted Howard. Now right. you see it for seven, eight hitters in a lineup. I mean, you know, right. they, guys who guys who you wouldn't think there would be a shift. And there's talk right now about whether right. the game should do away with the shift. Do you think it's right. Do you think it should be legislated out of the game in some way, or do you think it, it's it's just a part and it, it happened to Williams and everybody, every great hitter down the road? Yeah, you know, a, a couple of years ago, I asked I asked guys when I was up there that, that Tom, when Tommy went in the Hall of Fame, right, in Cooperstown, and I was sitting out there, I had the privilege and I, and I was lucky because Eddie Murray and some of those guys they saw me and called me down there where they were talking. And I went down there and I sat there and I was talking with them. And every guy that I talked to when we took, we got into talking about the shift, he said, uh, like Winfield. Winfield said, if he shift on me, I, I'll, I'll hit a ground ball or line drive to the right field. Eddie Murray said, I'll, I'll hit the ball the other way. I'll handle the bat. Well, you know, like uh, when you're young and in the minor leagues and you get to the big leagues, you're supposed to know how to handle the bat. Right. And we, and over the years, and not just in the last five or ten years, but if you stop and think, maybe in the last twenty years, we we actually got away from executing correctly. You know, like if I'm going to like for for instance in bunting a baseball, if I'm going to bunt a ball and and from and move a runner from first to second, usually I try to make a first baseman feel the ball. That is the correct way to do it. And then if I'm going to move the runner to third, I'm going to make the third baseman feel the ball. And that, that's correct. We got away from being correct. Nowadays, they just bunt balls right back toward the pitchers or, or in that uh, in in a part of the field. They say, well, we'll just take one. Right. And we've, we slowly got away from executing uh, plays like the hit and run. The hit and run, Al Widmore was my manager in winter ball for three or four years. 
And when I started struggling, you know what he would do, Kev? He would put a hit and run on me, and I hit a ground ball through shortstop. That's how I was supposed to hit it, not just hit a ground ball. You know, like I would, I would hit a ground. That's how you would play the game. So perfection. When I talked to Larry Boy and myself, when we sat down, we always get into the perfection part of the game, the right way to play the game. And most of the time, if you'd have walked in my office, you know, like when I was a manager and you sit down there and you and you and I had big discussions, I'd be telling you the same thing. Yeah. And the execution part, I saw Joey Votto the other day. Uh, he let off an inning. He laid a bunt down third base, and his team ended up scoring like five runs in that inning, or four or five runs. Yeah, but I think it was five runs. It's, and uh, yeah. like, and I look at, and I used to see Cesar Hernandez. I see little guys, uh, little guys like say at five ten, six foot, and and they give them, they giving you a base hit, and you cannot handle a bat good enough to lay the ball down. And that tells me that we still we should go back and get into teaching the the exact the proper way for fundamentals and also, uh, you know, like executing your situations. And if you have a grip on fundamentals, you, you used to, as a manager, if a guy had a good idea on fundamentals, you would let him do pretty much what you felt he needed to do in a sense of, right. look, you had Jimmy Rollins and Jimmy Rollins from when he was for the era he played was an unconventional leadoff hitter because he would often swing and he wasn't, Work the walk, bunt, everything. He was a try to hit the ball out of the ballpark, try to hit the ball for power. I mean, you let him, you gave him that freedom to do that a little bit. You didn't try to change him or move him in the lineup. I mean, that that is that kind of what you're talking about, that if a guy knows what he's doing, you're going to give him that rope? Yeah, you know, like, for instance, you know, like, yeah, back in those days, of course, the players that we had, you know, like, I, I know I had a good team, and you know, like, and also in Cleveland, you know, like we had good hitters, but at the same time too, you know, like you are like, you got to know who you are, you know, like know thyself, you know, like know what it's going to take for you to be a, the best big league player you possibly can be. Now, what kind of hitter am I? Am I a home run hitter? Uh, well, let me put it to you like this. Uh, uh, Ryan Howard, his best years, he hit 313 and he hit what? 50, 56, 50, 58, 50, 58, 58 home runs. The next year, you know, like he hit like 296 or something, and he hit like 46 or 48. Right. Right in there somewhere. Now, what I'm saying, the point I'm trying to get across is when that big guy like Ryan Howard, Jimmy Tommy, and all those guys, Albert, all these guys we used to have, when they try to, when they, when when they're up there to execute and, and, and they want to try to master their hitting, they will have a high batting average, and also they will hit at, more likely they'll hit more home runs than they would hit just trying to stand up there and you know, like and totally hit home runs and strike out anywhere from 150 to 200 times. And uh, it, you, it's a proven thing. You know, like well, with like with all the data that people got, if you go back and look, they should be able to see that. Now, when if you notice when 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 uh, what I want to say it was wrong about. Like two, two, maybe two eleven or two twelve. When our if our when our batting average starting to fall, right? You know, you know, like that was when actually you know, like that was when people were starting to get more home run happy and things like that. It's when the strike, it's when you strikeouts mounted. You lost worth right. in the lineup uh, you, when Jason went. Yeah, I mean, right. it, your lineup right. had a different complexion at that point. It, it, exactly, but also when I when I would go 
every day I used to go and people would tell me a lot, well, you, you know, like you've got everyday players. I want everyday players. You, you have, those are the best kind of players. You know, those everyday players. I used to argue with Pat Gillick about, hey, Pat, I know I do one thing good. I keep our players on the field. And, and he would never answer me. Really, really. <laughs> I remember. But, I, I, but now I used to tell him that. And also, you know, like uh, just uh, it's, it's something that it's balancing your lineup. We had with Rollins and Victorino at the top. Hey, look, Victorino, he might, he might not have, he, you know, like he might not have been the premier second two-hole hitter because Rollins and Utley would probably go there in a, in a perfect lineup, say if we had a Ricky Henderson, you know, like, sure. you know, like this. Then Rollins or Utley one would probably go in the in the second hole because because you know like I like guys uh, that can pull the ball, handle the bat, and hit the hole and things like that. That's all situation baseball, and those are the things that we've gotten away from. And you know like not only but and that, that it adds up in the strikeouts when you don't have a two two strike approach. When guys stand there and they just air it out with two strikes and and in the and the pitcher throws the ball away from their bat or, t- or hard inside, you know, like then, then they have no defense to hit. We're talking to Charlie Manuel. Charlie, uh, down the line with Charlie and Bo, airing on NBC Sports Philadelphia uh, all weekend. This weekend it's Carlos Ruiz and uh, Charlie in Reading after Char- Chooch's uh, induction into the Reading Hall of Fame. <clears throat> Let me ask you, uh, what is the biggest power that a manager has? What is the biggest weapon in your I, – I hate saying weapon, but what is the biggest thing that a manager has to have to be successful? He has to have uh, – what, what he has to have, he's got to be totally – he's got to be totally honest. He's got to be able to talk – to let the players the, – he's got – communication is definitely big because you let the player talk to you. And also you spend a lot of time with him. You get to know him and they and do all that and – one, that's this is how I like to think about it that way, and and then from there you know like uh, uh, you have to earn you have to earn their respect, and 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 they got to not only respect you but they got to respect their teammates and and the organization that they play for, and and for and from that point you know like you uh, you start uh, you know like just just trying to uh, talk to them and, and and actually work with their ability as. as as a hitting coach, I used to love to work with someone's ability and see if we could improve him. He did not have to brag or say, "Hey, Charlie Manuel's a good hitting coach." Right. Or, 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 something, or, or uh, uh, no one had to put it in a paper that I was a good hitting coach. I, you know, like that didn't bother me at all. You know, like that that didn't inspire me at all because just watching that guy and knowing that I told Albert Bell something about hitting and he used to not talk to me, Kevin. Really? And you're like, much? <laughs> yeah. But I told him something. I see him do it in the game, and then he'd come back and look at me. And I know I got to him. Does that make sense? No. It, and, and, that but, that but if also, he followed through yeah. on what you were recommending, you knew you got to him <laughs> right. even if he didn't, like, say it right. to your face in a way. Right, right. I'll try to prove to you. I'll try to prove to you your best way of hitting. Okay. And also, and, and, and that's from communication and also that – you know, like that's the talking about uh, about the mental part of the game, and you're thinking, and so, uh, sometimes you just tweak a guy's thinking. You know, like and he, and he becomes 
more positive and you know like in everything he does you know like he don't it, it, he, he understands that uh, you know like baseball is a failure game and you know like and, and, and how's the best way for him to to get the most out of his ability and usually you know like that will be him playing the right way that he's supposed to play what was the more talented team the ones you had in Cleveland or the ones you had here I would say uh, the the most talented team was the ones we had in Cleveland because we had so much depth all the way through our minor leagues. If you go back and look and, you know, like, hey, look, at right, one time we had uh, uh, Sean Casey, we had uh, we had Richie Saxton, we had Russell Brannion, we had uh, we, we had uh, Alex Ramirez, a guy who went to Japan and made $100 million. We had, we had all these guys in our minor leagues. And we were deep in, in, in like uh, in our uh, with, with our bench and things like that. Yeah. But now we had a but we one thing we liked was the chemistry part. We used to fight a lot inside our clubhouse and also on buses and stuff. And but when the game came, you know, like we were definitely up and prepared and ready to go. The, the Philly team, if they had a if they had a uh, uh, a site above those players that we had in uh, Cleveland, it was chemistry and it was, it came from the people at the organization and Pat Gillick bought in there, you know, like once it, we, uh, uh, you know, like once he got into the uh, uh, general manager part of our, our team. And if you stop and think when he bought in guys like Moyer, uh, Roy Holiday, Cliff Lee, uh, Ledge, uh, Matt Stars, right. Dobbs, all these guys, you know, like they were chemistry guys. And we had, but also our regular team, like Utley, Howard, and uh, Rollins. Hey, hey, Kev, you know what? What made us, might, might have made us real good was the fact that no one ever talked about our defense. But once that we made a, a, a move in the game, late in the game and, right. and, and took Pat out of left field and put, and we put Bourne in center and Victorino in left and, even even putting Bruntlet, like, even putting Bruntlet in left, even putting Bruntlet in left was an upgrade from Burrow, you know. <laughs> but no, really, you know. But but we became, you know, like we we like to play defense. You know, you know what? We like to play the baseball game, and you know, like and to us, you know, like uh, you know, like if you want attention and and you want to be popular and everything, you can start by being a good player and also you know, like putting up big numbers and hitting the ball, right? You know, like. And things like that, but you know, we we we're in a uh, baseball right now is in a it's in a period where there is transition, and it's definitely you know like the show that's in the game anymore, and things like that. And I ask myself, do I like that? You know, where where guys you know like they run around the bases and jump up and scream and holler and things like that. And some some players can get away with that, and some some even some today can't. But at the same time, uh, you know, like I'm not saying I don't agree with that. I mean that's kind of a custom way, I guess, for because because they want to get more fans in the ballpark. But the best way to get the fans in and understand it is to have that winning team from from and and have that winning team to be longevity, like anywhere from five to twelve years or something like that. Sure, I mean you know your place was sold out for three hundred almost three hundred nights in a row because you won. It wasn't just the personalities; it was you won. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Winning the game, winning the game is still the number should be your number one priority. And I know you were around this long, and we always thought that way. Yeah. And if and and, and when I'd go down there and sit down in the dugout, and and uh, you guys would come and talk to me, I always got back to that every day. 
every day. We, we, we concentrated on winning a game today. I did not want to tell you if Ledge, who had pitched four days in a row out of the, out of the bullpen, uh, wasn't usable. You know, like I would say, I don't know, I'll use him if I want to or something like that. Yeah, but at the, yeah, he used, but to, he used to be a little short <laughs> with us on them. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> but, but, but now at the same time, we came to the ballpark to win that game that day. We didn't look ahead and we didn't look behind. And, you know, like in, I, I think going down the stretch, especially in uh, 07 and 08, you know, like when we uh, uh, caught up and, you know, like in, in, in won our division, if, if you go back and look in, in the games that we had left to play, and, and, and especially 07 when we pulled it off, pulled it off, you know, like that was that we played solid baseball down the stretch. And you know, like, and uh, why? Because you know, like we we stayed the course. We were even keel. Come out every day, knowing that we was going to win the game. You know, like, and uh, you know, like j- just because we'd lose one or two or four. That didn't re- really bother us because you know, like we would uh, cut it off and and actually might run off a seven or ten game winning streak. And that's something that I think you know. You look at the trends in the game now. Not many teams. Obviously, the Phillies just went through this eight game winning streak, but not many teams run off that nine, ten, eleven in a row like you would occasionally see. You see teams more likely yeah. to lose eight, nine, ten right. in a row than you would. Right. Um, but I want to ask you about Gillick, and, and, and yeah. this is something I remember. It was your second year here, and you guys got beat right before the All-Star break, and they were about to have the, the, the trade-off of uh, Bobby Abreu. Corey right. Lytle was in that group and everything. And I remember you guys got beat, and we were about all to get on airplanes, go to Pittsburgh, and it was a real chaotic time around you guys, and you pretty much went publicly like – you know, I want to know what's going to happen. Like, you were pretty adamant. Like, I'm the right guy leading these young kids, but I want to know what my right. future was at that point because there right. had been the GM change and everything. Right. What was your relationship with Gillick like at that point? And, and did you ever feel like when Pat came in that you would maybe lose your job before everything got going there in 07? Yeah, you know, uh, people always would ask me, but, you know, like, uh, hey, look, I thought, I thought uh, before and also when, when Pat got there, it seemed like uh, anytime something bad happened, you know, like I was going to lose my job. I mean, I, 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 I didn't think that way, but I heard that. It didn't bother me. I always looked at that. Uh, I think I said it at the end, of, uh, at the end when they uh, let me go. <laughs> I always said, I always thought if I did my job well enough, you know, like, uh, you know, like, I would, I, you know, like I would keep it. And, you know, uh, I think that, that to me was the biggest thing that uh, if something hurt me, it was a, it, it hurt me from a fact that, that I, you know, like I was the manager and, and, and I wanted everything to stop right there with me. And I think also too, I think we had a team of players like Utley and Howard and our core players and all those guys, Rollins and those guys like that, they didn't, they didn't want no manager as a yes guy. Right. And, I, and, and I think it was very important for me when I first took that job, that's the only interview I ever had in baseball. And you know, like when I took that job, I took that job to do it, uh, to win. You know, like yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if people realize that or not, but I, I said that in our press conference, mm-hmm. and and I meant that. And I always looked at, hey, time comes when if I'm not if I'm standing in the way and I and and I'm not and I'm not winning or we're not winning, I should say, 
and things like if things are going bad and everything like that, a manager can lose his job. I never, I never thought of losing my job at, at all, really. And, and, uh, and, and I mean that because, you know, because- I, I, I remember all uh, a couple of us who were going to Pittsburgh for the all-star game that year. And that was the year Howard won the home run derby. That's what I remember about it. But a couple of us thought like you were, you were pretty confident. Like, look, I know I'm, I, I'm the right guy for the job. If you're transitioning this team over to the young kids, which was Rollins, Utley, Howard at that point, you put me, you made it pretty clear. And I thought you were, I, I thought that was a big moment that you were also taking control of the situation when right. it, when everybody was kind of picking at you like team was struggling and everything and people were I think waiting for the the hammer to fall with a new GM. Right. Well, you know, I also I you know like I always thought you know at the end you know like when uh, the Phillies said that they were looking that they were looking for somebody to uh, you know like uh, to. Uh, develop their uh, talent and their young guys, right. you know, like I was that guy. I was that guy in the minor leagues for 10 years. And and when I was a manager in the minor leagues, Kevin, and I mean this, I, I, that was my team. And also too, I had, I had, I had chances to become a hitting coach or uh, at, at the major league level. You, you know, like I never had a chance to go right from, a, well, yeah, I did have a chance and I'll, I'll tell you about it in a minute, but at the same time, you know, like I never really, uh, wanted uh, to go there as a hitting coach, you know, like really until because I love to develop players in the minor leagues. And I, I was a player development guy. I, you know, you know, like I can't write down all the players that I like in, in my room right here to you. I, really, I mean, I, I mean, I, I used to love just to go work with players and teach them the right way to play baseball and also have fun with them. And, you know, like in some of them, you know, like I had way more fun than people thought I had. Yeah, and things like, like really, I did. But also to getting back to it, you know, like I managed the first year I managed the Wisconsin Rapids, and the next year uh, Calvin Griffin and George Brophy they put me in Double A, and about about a first month or something, if you remember, they fired the manager in uh, Minnesota, and they ended up hiring Ray Miller. Yeah, but former Oriole pitching coach, right? But uh, George Brophy and Calvin Griffin came down to Orlando. And they and, I, and they took me out to dinner on after a Saturday game one day, and they and they told me that I could have the manager's job in Minnesota if I wanted. I'd already been managing just one season, and I told them I wasn't ready. And I explained to them, I said, you know, like I'm not ready for that yet. I said I I want to do that someday, but right now, you know, like I'm not ready for that. And you know, like I'm I'm better off. And I said I thank you guys for for offering me the job. And Griffin looked at me and he said, we'll put somebody with you. And I said, no, that don't work because you know, like, hey, I want it to be my ideal, yeah, and things like that. And then, and, and I, and I always, you know, like when I managed in the minor leagues, I always got to do exactly what I wanted to. If somebody told me what to do, I would question that because I wanted to be the manager. And I, I still to this day, I look at it that way. And and you know, like, and, and more than likely, I've had people say, well, well, you, well, now you probably never going to get a job. Well, I'm 77 years old. I'm not really looking to manage a team, but I think I still could if I wanted to. <laughs> could, could, could you do what Tony La Russa does, did? Come back at 77? Yeah. I was I was surprised, but at the same time, I can understand why he came back, because he loves the game, and he also wants to prove that he can still win his way. I think Tony La Russa, you know, like, I pull for him. I want him to win, really. you know, like, And also Dusty Baker. You know, like, I, I want those guys to win because I think that they're – that they, as a manager, they do have a lot of grip on their team. It's hard nowadays because 
they have changed the manager spot. Now, you know, like I was told when in 209, 209 and 210, when I managed the All-Star uh, right. games, if, if you remember. I remember. Uh, for two years, uh, Bud Seeley come in and talk to me, and he was trying to tell me that there was going to be some changes in baseball, and I wasn't smart enough to listen to him, really. I mean, really. I, mean I, I was thinking, and he said – he said the manager's position would would come under uh, uh, heat or something. He wouldn't he wouldn't have the power that he had, and or something like that. Uh, that it would come in a very way that I, it was hard for me to understand. But at the same time, too, that's basically what he what 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 he kind of said, and I didn't realize that. But then from that point on, I, when I think back, I've seen the changes that that they're in the game now, and uh, you know, like I'm not saying they. They, that they're for the worst or nothing like that or do are good or not right. not you know like I just haven't made my mind up yet and and because I don't want to be a guy who who dislikes baseball and you know like and things like that and I understand how hard it is to manage a game and a right. coach and things like but at the same time too you know like uh, I could see that coming. I used to tell Greg Castro, I thought Fitz sometimes you, you didn't really under, get to know, get get to hear him. Right. But at the same time, I throw Fitz sometimes vent to those people and tell them exactly what was coming on. And uh, I could see it, really. Where the GM and the analytics department took over more of the manager's role as far as lineup cards and everything. Is that right? Is that kind yeah, of right? Think- I think it uh, with the with the data they had and the programs that they that they uh, bought in, y- yeah. I mean, I think that that's exactly uh, basically started uh, b- before I was off the field. Yeah, and I the game and I'll, I'll say this: you don't have to respond. I think the game's lost its soul because of that. I think that you know the one thing Larusa and Baker had was a great feel for guys, and when guys had a uh, and you'd had it too, obviously. There's a certain feel that had to go into the manager's office and know how to play the hot hand, know how to play, know how to handle people, know how to handle trends and, and everything. And I think with the analytics, it's kind of taken some of that out. But that's my own opinion on that one. Yeah, right. Well, you know, like uh, there again, you know, like everybody has their philosophy. You know, like uh, uh, I used to talk to Gabe Kapler. Yeah. And him and I had different philosophies. <laughs> and, and, and Kevin, and, and, and actually there's nothing – you know, like no. that's his philosophy, and, and and evidently, when I look up and I see him in first place, his philosophy right now is working for him. I mean, I got it. You know, like look, it wasn't like I never disliked Gabe Capper because I did. I, I mean, I, I like talking to him. Right. I mean, really. I mean, but him and I have we had different philosophies about the game, and I and I told him one day, I said, "Hey, Gabe, just because you and I have different philosophies, it doesn't mean that I don't like you." I said, I enjoy talking to you. And I used to tell him that, and you know, whether he believed it or not, I don't know. But at the same time, you know, like, that's exactly how I felt about it. And that's, and that's kind of how I feel about uh, the way the game's changing. Hey, look, I enjoy. I'll sit down with any, any uh, uh, analytics uh, people, and I will talk to them. And, but at the same time, too, I want them to communicate and understand some of the things that I'm saying. Right. And, you know, I – I think that is uh, one of the biggest problems in the game now. The commu- communication uh, part uh, is as uh, far as you know, like it's not it's not good right now between the analytics and the baseball people. And in order for analytics and baseball to be really uh, what we want it to be, I think you know, like it's got to be some kind of communication in there where each side has respect and, and wants to work with the other. 
the great Charlie Manuel talking to us. I, I want to run a couple things by you here before we let you go. One, your relationship with Boa, which I, I think you and I, I think anybody who covered your teams in that transition period after he left in 04 and you took over in 05 would have never dreamed you guys being as close as you've become and, and having your own TV show. Uh, you know, I, I mean, just what is it about you guys that, that connects? I think, I think the part of the, actually you're looking at, uh, two guys who love baseball. Larry Boyle loves baseball. I, I love baseball. I don't know which one uh, loves it the most, but I think I do. But at the same time, he thinks he does. <laughs> but but uh, but really, I want to tell you something. When 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 I'm out with Larry Boy and I go eat dinner or something with Larry Boy, we sit there. I know our wives don't like it because we talk baseball and we talk um, uh, every every minute of the day that we we're together, really. And I think it, uh, you know, like and and just getting to know him. I know exactly who he is. He knows who I am. And and actually, we just uh, we just get along real good. I mean, do we do we voice our opinion? Yeah, we argue. Yeah, but at the same time, it's not like you know, it, it's it's not an argument where we're going to go to blows or or disre- disrespect or, or actually dislike the other guy. Really, that that's kind of how I look at it. I mean, I it, him and I uh, when we watch baseball up there, uh, together in a box, uh, it's absolutely uh, uh, I love it. But also too. You know, like he on day something, he looks at baseball. He has the same, he was brought up in the same era. Him and I was brought up in the same era of the game. And I think that we, we used to really study and see how, how the game should be played. And I think those are the two things probably that, that we, we definitely have, we, we got to start seeing the game as played today on the field, you know, like, um, in order for us to feel good about that game, we want it to still be played that way as far as execution and and uh, the defense part and all that. And you know, like in it uh, uh, maybe one of these days it might get back to, to that. But in the other way, uh, at the same time too, you know, like uh, when you're successful, like like I said, when you're successful, you know, like you, usually people don't uh, uh, get on you. I I guarantee you, if you call Gabe Capper up today. You know, like he'd tell you, well, you know, like people don't get on me like they did in Philly. And the reason he'd be telling you that because he's winning. And so, that, therefore, the, that, just, that, that just goes to show you that the game counts more than, than, than the show day now. You know, like the, the game used to be the show, Kevin. Yeah. But today, but today uh, the, the, the game, uh, it, 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 the homers are exciting. The, the laughter is exciting. And things like that, and I think the fans definitely buy into that. And you know, like until then, you know, like uh, you know, like I don't know how how much longer that you know, like that that the game's going to go uh, as an offensive uh, a game and a, a game where the uh, pitcher throws hard and, the, and mm-hmm. the guys strike out a lot and things like that. The, the quality of the play on the field to me has to improve. You know, like uh, for 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 us. Uh, our team and also the the teams that are not uh really uh really good or are respectable like uh, Tampa Bay uh they play a different kind of game and and it works but if if we stop and think about it Kevin if you stop and think about it it used to be baseball every team had their own system right every, 
every team had their own system. The Dodgers were the, the team that's supposed to have been the one that taught you more of the fundamental parts and the situational parts of baseball and things like that. That was the but, one thing when Ed Wade came to Philadelphia, Ed Wade put in, and that helped develop the farm, the farm system that gave you Rollins, right. Utley, and Howard. Yeah. Right, right, right. And so, therefore, you know, like, you know, that, you know, like, and everybody had their own way of playing. The White Sox, you know, for instance, they used to let their grass grow where they could bunt mm-hmm. and they'd stay fire and stuff like that. They had speed. They didn't have a whole lot of power, but they, uh, you know, like they worked in the, and they, they wanted to uh, accumulate runs by, you know, like playing, you know, like this, this, uh, the small ball, you call sure. it, whatever you want to call it, that kind of game, and pitching. They worked on pitching. The, the, the Dodgers had – they had speed and they had defense and pitching. They didn't have a lot of home homer guys, you know, back back in the 50s, 60s, things like that, if you look. Right. Except when they played in Evans Field, they did with Duke Snyder and them. But at the same time, the game definitely uh, was was what was – everybody had their own system. Everybody played their own way. Everybody had their own philosophy. And nowadays, you know, like the analytics programs, you know, sends a game in one direction. Couple couple people I want to run their names by you just get instant reaction. Um, Jim Tomey. Jim Tomey. I, I, when you mention his name, that's he's like my son. You know, like I, I he grew I grew up I grew with him and he grew with me. You know, like I uh, uh, probably the uh, the the hardest thing that that I ever had in uh, in life was to, you to tell Jim Tomey that uh, we was trading. You know, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, hey, look, we had Ryan Howard, we had Tommy, and, and you know, like, uh, both of them are, you know, like, I, I wanted both of them on my team. I, I wanted both of them to play in Philadelphia because of the ballpark there. You know, like, I feel hey, if if we had uh, check this out, if we could have had uh, Tommy and Howard in our lineup in our, in, <laughs> actually actually in their heyday, you know, like, oh yeah, we would really been extra. Oh. But at the same at the same time, Jimmy Tommy's one of the most. He, he look, he's he's a he is. He is, a, he's like my son and he's like, uh, he's so honest and so real. What he does, everything he does is real. And he, and he, and, and although I was around him all those years, he was a tremendous student as far as coaching. You know, like when I, he would listen and he, and he would go work and reps was no problem with him and, and things like that. And actually when he was young, when he was young, uh, you know, like, you know, like I insinuated it, that he played, you know, like he had blisters this one day in Charlotte and he was hitting real good, you know, like and they, at, at that time of uh, Cleveland was thinking about calling him up. Right. And uh, he come to the ballpark and Richmond had this left-hand pitcher uh, throwing that day. And, uh, and uh, Jim told me, I, I, I kind of felt like he might not want to hit against this lefty. He says, I got a blister here. And I said, yeah, I see you blister. And I said, but, but you can play. He said, and I said, uh, I said, uh, I want you to play. And uh, I just reached down and grabbed his hand and bit the blitz. <laughs> <laughs> and, he went, and he went, hey, yeah, he goes out in the field and the first time up, hit a home run just to the right of center field, hit it a long ways. He come back and I, and he walked down the dugout, everybody's hitting his hands. And I looked at him, I said, how's that blister now? And uh, he just didn't say nothing. So and then the next time up, he hit another ball straight away center. And he come back in uh, off of the same pitcher, and I said, uh, that blister got well quick, didn't he? And I said, didn't it? You like, like that? And he looked at me, and he goes, he goes, that blister's all right, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> but then also, they kept, check this out. 
he throws it one night. Uh, we got it. We had a couple of guys on our team that threw helmets. Right. I hate, and I hated for, I didn't mind them throwing a helmet every now and then. You know what I mean? But you hated you know, guys who did it on a regular basis. Cause you had a couple in your <laughs> Phillies clubhouse that you hated. I remember. Right. Right. Well, listen, he comes in a dugout and he's never threw a helmet. And hey, look, he's hitting about three thirty, and he's hitting a lot of home runs and stuff like that. And he gets mad and he slams his helmet down, you know, like, and I just got through having a big meeting about that. You know what I mean? Really? And he slams his helmet down. And I, and I look at him and I said, what the hell are you doing? And he's, he looks around at me and he goes, everybody else goes, what are you getting on me for? I, and I looked at him right now and I said, I don't, I, you should never have to slam a helmet. I said, you don't, hey, why should you slam your helmet when you're hitting 330, when you got 30 homers? And all this? I said, why do you have to throw your helmet? And, 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 and after the game, he comes in and talks to me. And he told me, he said, Chuck, I'll never throw a helmet again. And he, I, I have never seen him throw a helmet, a helmet again. Then. Manny Ramirez. Yeah. What, what was it like being around Manny Ramirez on an everyday basis? He's one of the strange characters of the game. Right. When he uh, – he first, uh, when he first came, when I first had him as a manager, he came from double-A baseball. I used to follow him in the instructional league. I had him in instructional league, you know, like before he went, came to me in triple-A. But I used to I used to follow him when he was in rookie ball because he was, we used to have to send in these reports, you know, by uh, by phone, call it in, and then we'd take the box score, you know, like and kind of put it in a paper and send it to the front office. But uh, – I used to follow Manny all the time, you know, like on, on, on the calls at night, you know, and see if he hit a home run in rookie ball. Well, you know, when I first seen him was in instructional league, Kevy had it from day one. He, the, guy, the harder you throw, the better he could hit. And, he, and uh, he, he was just nice and loose. I look at Manny sometime, and I tell hitters all the time, you probably heard me say it, hey, look, tension-free, totally tension-free, yeah. nice and easy, come on, tension-free. Manny Ramirez was tension-free in life. He, 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 oh, yeah. He, his, he might not have realized it, but he was. You know, I've heard people in the dugout, the players sometimes, Manny be walking up to home plate and be dragging his bat, and uh, somebody says, what does Manny drag his bat? He looks so lazy. And I say, well, you watch him step in a batter's box, he won't look too lazy. And, and then when he stepped in a batter's box, you know, like when he started hitting, you, you know, like everybody stopped and watched. He was that good. But not only, I'll tell you something. When in Cleveland, when I was a hitting coach, Eddie Murray said his locker was in the corner. Mine was in between uh, Manny Ramirez and, and Eddie. And Manny would come in every day. Every day, Kev, we'd go through this big ordeal. And, you know, like, and we'd, I, listen, I used to wrestle him just like uh, uh, he was my son. And, I mean, I'd be hitting him and everything like, like that. And he'd be hollering, no, Poppy, no, no, and all this stuff. <laughs> And finally, after about a couple of years, he, he got real big. And, and you know, like yeah. I was getting older and I couldn't do that no more. <laughs> but, uh, but now he, I want to tell you something. He is a tremendous, tremendous player. He was a tremendous player, really. Uh, he did play very loose. And, and to me, that was his, his success. And natural, he had, a, he had, a, I don't, people call him a natural hitter. I say that he had a natural balance weight shift, if that makes sense, approach. He had a really good balance at the place. He was he never he was never caught on his front foot or or, right. or, or trying to back leg it yeah. too much. It was right. you're right. It, he was level. He had a he had a little lift in his ball up. Yeah, you know, like a little lift, not but it wasn't an uppercut. His hand stayed above the baseball, and he had a little lift. 
and and he's hit balls that would go down the left field line and end up almost in between left center and left field line. Yeah, because he kind of fade that way. And uh, you know, like he was he was a big time hitter. Cabrera and uh, uh, for the uh, Tigers, right? Something similar, but uh, Manny Manny had a different stance. Uh, on your Philly teams. All right, I'll ask it. Is Jimmy Rollins a Hall of Famer? For me, he is. If you look and you compare him with the guys that played that position and and then went to the Hall of Fame, what Jimmy has, he has a little. He has he has he has everything. He has run scored. He has RBIs, and you know, like uh, he might he might not have as good as batting averages some of them, and his, uh, but at the same time too, his performance and and the fact that he did knock in runs and score runs, you know, like that 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 definitely with his defense. You know, like and, and his speed and his talent, and uh, you know, like who he was. You know, you you know, actually, uh, Jimmy. The, the only thing about Jimmy was every now and then, you know, like when we were struggling or something like that, he'd get disappointed, and and then that's when you had to go over and straighten him up a little bit. But uh, I have a lot of respect for Jimmy because Jimmy Jimmy always was accountable for anything he ever did, and to me, like uh, the way he played and uh, who he was. And and uh, if you look at his stats, yes, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. And he was available every day for you. Like that's yeah, one of the traits was, you said. The best the best kind of ability is availability at times. Right. Uh, and and right. Jimmy, you're like when you look at Jimmy's RBIs, he's got seventy to 90, 95 or something mm-hmm. in some of the, uh, one of those years or something like that. Right. As a leadoff hitter and comparing with the leadoff hitters and a short and shortstop at that position, yeah, I say right he there. belongs there. Uh. Uh, Utley is obviously the next one uh, because you have to link Utley and all that. What was it about Chase? I imagine, I can only imagine that Chase was not a difficult guy to manage. Is that fair to say? I think it Chase was absolutely uh, very fair to say that because I think it Chase Utley has a, had self-dedication. Mm-hmm. He, had, he had self-preparation. He had, uh, look, when 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 Chase got got going, you know, like when he started throwing the baseball bad first base, right, and things like that. People were talking about, you know, uh, uh, what about Utley throwing? And I would tell I would tell you guys, I'm, I'm not worried about Chase Utley. He'll correct that. And really, uh, uh, you know, like and when he did correct it, walked in my office and told me, he says, "Why didn't you say something to me, Chuck?" I said, "You know what? I didn't say nothing to you. I didn't have to. I, you know, like I knew you was going to." Uh, uh, corrected, and I, and I meant that. You know, like he was uh, he was that good, and he was definitely he. Uh, Sometimes when you talk about leaders, Chase wasn't a vo- real vocal leader, but he led by example, and also he would get you off to the side and talk to you about how we wanted to play the game. Mm-hmm. And him and him and him, and, I give our defense credit to Chase and Jimmy because they loved to play defense too, and and it bought the other guys in in uh, on our on our team, you know, like they, they bought in on that. Jason Worth, what was he like to have around? He was, uh, he was a high talent, real, real, you know, like when, uh, when Pat bought him on board, I didn't really, I was kind of, I don't know. I didn't, you know, I didn't really know about him. The only thing I can tell you about Jason Worth when I first started managing the big leagues is with the Dodgers and he played a, uh, four game series in uh at, the, uh at in Philadelphia 
and he didn't run a ball out any. He just you just hit the ball and if just walked right back to the dugout. And I thought to I told Vars one night I said we could have that guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but then later on, Pat bought him aboard. Right. You know. You know. Uh, and I, I give I give Utley a lot of credit for uh, uh, Jason Worth always respected Utley, and he you know like and he wanted to play with Utley, and uh, he was hard. Jason was hard to get on the field sometimes. And uh, of his- know, like I had some good talks with him and finally him and I just had a talk one day and he told me that he wasn't good uh, about take, uh, you know, taking, uh, uh, taking authority. And I told him, I said, well, you know what? I said, uh, uh, I think it's time you learn that because if you're going to play baseball every, every day, I won't tell you what you have to do. And I sat there and I told him, I said, I think you scared of the ball because, because uh, because you don't hit right hand pitchers and you leak and you open up and I said and he told me he said I, I'm leery of my wrist right. and I, and I, I agree I got to get over that but when Jason Worth stayed behind the baseball Kevin a nice nice smooth way and hit through the baseball mm-hmm. he was a good looking hitter and uh, but and also he could he could he could he could flip balls in the right field and you know, like that really kept him alive as far as an average and things like that goes talented in the outfield the balls any ball that landed uh, any ball hit that land that did not land in the stands jason worth caught it if you stop and think about it and he had a great arm well and you know like, and he could he, and he could he, he had to, he could run he could steal he, he still he stole 25 or 30 bags for us i mean you know like he was very he was a very supportive a part of our team that uh, you know, like that, he definitely could carry you when he's hot. I I I, uh, I used to think of of uh, uh, Burl and Jason Worth, the guys in a street. You know, they can carry you. Right. Well, I, I used to think of, uh, that uh, Howard could carry you even even longer. You could know, carry like you for a month. Right. I mean, Howard carried you guys a couple times for a month. I mean, you yeah. know, in September when he had some great yeah. Septembers, especially yeah. in '07 when you guys chased down the Mets. Yeah, if you look at Howard, you know, like in his in his heydays, and when I see him hitting uh, MLB and every now and then, every now and then they show him hitting and how he used his legs and how smooth his uh, you know how smooth his swing was and nice easy looking. I, I you know like I, I, that that amazes me because you know like he was for about four or five years there. Howard's was he was as good as hitter there was in baseball. Final question for you: You when you came in here. You were not the most popular choice, okay? And, and I know a lot of people around here mention it at, to you at times. You know, you were not the people's choice. I think you're probably not the media's choice at first, to be honest. <laughs> um, but you've you've become a hero in the city, and it's not just because of the way that you won. It's not just because of the, of '08. It's because of the way you've treated people and the way you've acted. What do you think the biggest key was to getting to to earning the status that you and the respect that you've earned in this city? I think I think it uh, basically we 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 were winners and and in our team and our organization you know like everybody and I'll tell you something uh, uh, we had a team and also our our organization played a big part and a lot of people played a lot of parts in that. And you know, like, and, and and I was was the manager, right. and I think that by winning, but not only that, by the way that uh, that I uh, communicate with people, 
and, and really, I'm, I'm very free about signing autographs. I, I stop and talk to them. I'll stop and talk to people in the grocery store. I'll talk, uh, really, if I see someone, it, and sometimes it doesn't have to be about baseball or nothing. You know, like, I mean, you'd be surprised sometimes at the people who just stop me and just want to have a general conversation with me and tell me about uh, their son or their grandson or things like this. And and I enjoy talking talking that kind of language. Actually, that that TV star uh, show that we have, you know, like uh, if I, you know, like I would like to be able to talk more, you know, like to 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 everyday people, baseball fans, and people who love the game. And uh, I, you know, like I've always, I've never felt like I was ever better than someone. I, but at the same time, no one better than me. And I, you know, like, and I kind of looked at it that way. I don't. It does. It doesn't. It doesn't matter to me. You know, if I go somewhere and I and somebody's there, I'll sit down and talk to them. I mean, you know, really. And and I find that I think of people in Philadelphia. Uh, I think that they learned to understand who I was, and uh, because I could not ever get treated any better than I get treated now. Believe me, because I mean, it, you know, like a, everything about it is. It's hard for me to tell you how good it is, really. And you and you disarmed even us in a way. Like, I mean, the guys who, you know, those of us who were fortunate enough to be around you every day, you know, with the stories, with the way that you handled yourself, the way you were honest with us, I thought helped make us better at our jobs. And, you know, I I think, I think that's what people, the, the personal, the personal connection you've had with people is, I think, what's the main reason why everybody has felt that way. And you, right. you, you managed to team Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Media Corps, which is pretty tough. Right. Let me tell you something. I, uh, I always looked at this, and I used to say, I've said this in our, in, in the dugouts at, at, at some interviews when you guys were talking to them, and they weren't going real good. Right. You know, I, I, I sat there and I told you, uh, you and I, I know everybody, every one of the guys that was in there. I, I, I actually, I wanted you to do a good job. I right. actually pull for you. Right. And I, and I actually, I think I realized that in where I was setting that there was going to be criticism because how every day we've got a baseball game and there's a lot of, there's mistakes, there's good points, there's bad points and everything about it is not ever going to be perfect. But at the same time, I, you know, like I wanted you from a per- personal standpoint to enjoy what you did and be the best at what you were doing. And I mean that I, I've, I, I, I've always felt that way. Would you ever write a book? I don't know. I, you know, like I think about it, I don't know if I could, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but I would probably have too much to say really. Well, I mean, because some of the stories you have growing up, your time yeah. in the minors. I didn't even mention the word Billy Martin <laughs> because yeah. I knew he would get in trouble. Um, yeah. It would be a bestseller. Yeah. Yeah. Can make some good yeah. coin, Chuck, you know? <laughs> I don't know, but it, it, you know what? I uh, Now when I sit and I tell people sometimes, you know, when we get in a deep conversation or something, I tell people uh, if everybody in life has had the laughs I've had, I'm very happy for them because baseball definitely, you know, like has provided me with that kind of entertainment. And baseball was has never been a job for me, you know. Really, it, it, it just it, it's just you know, like it's just who I am, you know. Like, and it's just how I look at the game, and also it's kind of how I look at people. Yeah. I look at my grandkids sometimes, Kevin. I and I can't tell you how much I I love them and and things like that because 
you know, I play with them and, and, and I try to get down to their level and everything. And they boss me around. I'm 77 years old. And uh, uh, my little, the little boy's four and the girl, uh, the girls are two, uh, seven and six. And, and I will tell you something, they, they treat me like I'm a little kid. And, and I like everything about it, really. I play, I, if, if I had my way, I would, I would keep them here at my house. That's awesome. <laughs> On that note, Charlie Manuel, uh, thank you doing this i appreciate it Char- down the line with charlie and Bo airs on nbc sports philadelphia and uh i appreciate it yeah thank you thank you for having me well we hope that put a smile on your face uh there is not a man in this area that i've covered um who has been a better person to deal with than charlie Manuel. and I th- again thanks to cindy webster who is a Working with the uh, down the line with Charlie and Bo, which appears this weekend, which we'll have on this weekend, uh, Carlos Ruiz with Larry Boa and Charlie Manuel. Uh, That's it for us. We're back next week, normal shows, and then uh, we'll get into our football shows. Don't forget Paul Hagen's show. uh, The Paul Hagen um, will be on with us, and we'll be at Chaps Pit Beef on September 1st at 6 p.m. Thanks to my partner, uh who is at the shore today but uh thank you very much for joining us i'm kevin cooney this has been working the beat